Well, welcome to Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you back once again. Yeah, it's good to be back. All this wet weather around? Yes, almost swam here, but uh, the plants aren't. Uh, oh, they're sort of doing okay. They're loving it, but oh, if they don't dry out soon, yeah, there's going to be some Need a bit problems. of sunshine. Yes, they do. What have you got lined for us today, Scott? I've got a job list as long as my arm. I can almost demonstrate that. It is. It's Almost as long, almost as long, not quite as long. It's extensive. We've got some stuff to do. Uh, There's one, two, three, four on there. We'll try and get through all of those in the next hour. So a lot of jobs to look forward to. Yes, and talk about. (laughs) And we've got Lynn from Fullerton Cove, and she wants to know how do you remove hairy crabgrass from a buffalo turf? Good afternoon, Lynn. How can we help you? Good afternoon, Scott. How are you? Yeah, pretty well, pretty well. That's good. Um... We've never, ever had any weeds to speak of in our um, Sir Walter Buffalo. But, and it seems a coincidence, we cow grazed it some months back and then again in February, and now we've got this hairy crabgrass. I put it into the PlantNet app to try and distinguish what it was. Um, Even the lawn mowing man said, oh, that's interesting, I've not seen that before. So, what do we do? Yeah, look, you can get rid of crabgrass. It is a difficult one to to get rid of, uh, especially in buffalo, because it can be a, a tender sort of uh, lawn, uh, you know, for spraying. Yes. But there are chemicals that you can do it with. Now, how did you say you actually got it in there in the first place? Well, we've never ever had it, but we put some cow graze on the lawn to, you know, fertilise yes. it. Yes. And it just seems a coincidence that it's come into the lawn since we did that. Yeah, look, it might just be that the fertiliser has just accentuated the issue. There might have been some, you know, seed there ready to get going and, yeah. and some fertilisers just made it all very happy and off it's gone. <laughs> so, look, it, it is important to get rid of it because it just keeps on spreading and chokes out the grass underneath. I mean, the great thing about buffalo, though, is it is fairly tough, but coming into winter, it slows down its growth. You get to May and it virtually stops and, and doesn't really start up again until you know, pretty much the second week of September. So if it's getting choked out at that time, it's not going to regrow for you. So it is important to get onto it nice and soon. Now, there are actually specific crabgrass chemicals out there that you can get. Um, So you can go go to your local garden centre and give those a try. There's also, uh, you know, paspalum and nutgrass killers. They all should be the same active constituent in those. So just go and talk to someone, have a look. If there's no one there to talk to, Turn over the uh, the back of the box, the chemical box, and it should list exactly what uh, you know which uh, weeds it will get rid of. It will also tell you on the, on the particular chemical if you can use it on buffalo grass. Yes. Uh, some of them say, look, yes, you can use it, but you can only spot spray it, or you can only use it once a year, for instance. So you have to be careful about buffalo because it is tender. Uh, so if, if that's the case, you are best then to go and just spot spray, uh, you know, where you can see the crabgrass and try and get it under control then. And it won't, you know, unduly affect the, the buffalo grass that's, uh, that's there in your lawn. Now, the other thing to do is to how, uh, you know, low do you mow your lawn? <laughs> um, not that low because it's lovely and green at the moment. Good, um, good. Probably, you know, half an inch. It's certainly not an inch. 
Okay, because the other thing to do with buffalo lawn is to try and leave it, you know, neat and tidy, but a little bit longer. Sounds like you're doing that. Uh, You know, one one of the great mistakes with buffalo is, uh, you know, the lawnmower bloke comes in and he uh, mows it down too low, and and I call it scalping. Uh, You know, you start to see that that white, uh, you know, of the almost the root system of of the lawn, and that's just far too low. Uh, Or if you've got a couple of mounds there, you know, all of a sudden the mower goes over the top, and you know your lawn's been scalped as well. Uh So uh, I always, uh, you know, try and mow buffalo almost on the highest setting. Uh-huh. Uh, it keeps it nice and neat, you know. Whether you're mowing, you know, if you're mowing every couple of weeks, it's going to look neat anyway. Yeah. And by leaving it long, it helps choke out any weeds that are in there. Okay. Um, so I'd be, you know, just trying to leave it long, keep it neat at the same time. Give a spray to keep that, uh, cra- try and get rid of that crabgrass, and uh, hope you have some success with it. Oh, thank you, Scott. I do too. <laughs> we we don't want it there, but look, go to your local garden centre. They will have a selective chemical there that will deal with crabgrass. The main thing is that you can actually use it on buffalo lawn. Yep, I understand. Thank you very much for taking my call. Okay, very nice to talk to you. Thank you. You too, Scott. Okay, Thank bye you. Bye. Thanks very much, Liam. We've got the traffic controller now from Charlestown, and he's trying to work out how he can prevent getting armyworm, in, and all his neighbours have it. Get a traffic controller? <laughs> that's, that's what we will call you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Scott. What's been, what's been going on? Everyone next to me has got the grub. Their lawn's brown. I don't have it. and Of course, I don't want it, but is there something I can do? I've mowed yesterday. I did trip it up high, but I think they haven't got enough drainage in their yard. I think that's their problem. Yeah, look, it's unusual that army worms are around or, or that it's visible at the moment. Undoubtedly, they're still there having a, a bit of a feast, but because of the amount of rain we've had, yep. uh, any effect of the grubs you know, chewing out the root system of the lawn have been very well masked by the rain and, and the lawn's been able to survive. Yeah, yeah. Well, one chap's got him. He's got a brick house. It's about a foot up his wall. You see all these oh. like, striped grubs up his wall. He sprayed yesterday, but it yep. rained here. Um, I don't have it anywhere, um, but I'm just, you know, do I need to aerate my lawn or...? No, look, not aerating. You can go out and treat if you if you want to. You can treat preventatively uh, because they, the little buggers could be in there, you know, having a, having a go at yours as we yep. speak. So you just go and get, uh, you know, one of the lawn grub cricket yep. chemicals that are there. Uh, you can either apply that, you know, you get hose on ones, you can get ones that are in yep. a, a sprinkle granule pack, uh, yep. You can also get ones that you actually mix up and uh, you know either spray on or put over with a watering can. I yep. personally like the granular ones yeah. uh, because yeah, you can... I have used that before. I, I treat mine pretty well, you know, a seventeen or mm-hmm. lush, and I think that might be the other thing. Mine's pretty well fed. Yeah, look, that that is an important thing to do because if you've got a, a lawn that's suffering and uh, you know a little bit hungry, not very happy, uh, then it's going to be the first one to you know go down for the count. Uh, so keeping it uh, you know nicely fertilised, it's a great time to do it as well at the moment because of all the rain, it, it washes it yeah. in. Uh, yeah. But yeah, if you want to, uh, you can also preventatively go and get one of those granular shaker packs and uh, you know right. use that as well just to keep any worm that might be in there under control. Makes it all of a mess. It's, it's, it's brown. I mean, it's, it, it is really brown. Yeah, look, that, that's one of the problems that they, you know, they do, uh, you know, that dirt gets, you know, sort of uh, brought up from the surface and, you know, everything else is dead. So, yeah, it can be very bad. I didn't think it had been that bad this year, but if anyone else is having problems with army grub or crickets this year, feel free to ring in and tell us. Um, we'd love to know, uh, you know, how bad it's been for you or how good it's been for you either. 
Yeah, well, I thought like you, we've had so much rain. My my rain gauge is still inches. We've had six inches, and I thought I'd keep them all away, but I think it, I, just over Saturday, Sunday, it's just devastated this yard, like the yard next door. It's just gone. Yeah, well, you look, you know, you know traffic controller, you know where they're uh, coming for next. They're coming for your place. Yeah, I might get uh, get out this afternoon and do a bit of prevention on it. Okay, we'll, we'll dig a moat. <laughs> It'll fill up. Thanks. Okay, good on you. Thanks for the call. Right. Bye-bye. It's Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, 49216216. And we've got Rob from Maitland, and he's got a section of his hedge that's seemed to have died off. Doesn't sound good, Rob. Tell us about it. Yeah, I have a, uh, between the neighbour's yard and mine, I have a Mariah hedge, and the middle section of it, um, it's got a lot of dead wood off on it, and it's got like moss growing on it. Yes. And it's got a, you know, it's got a few shoots coming on it. You know, the, the end bits are fine. The bit that's died off is the one I didn't want died off, but to die off. But yeah, I don't know. Is, is there anything to do with it? Yeah. Not now, now with that uh, that. Uh, section that's died back. Uh, yeah. Have you been and had a little bit of a, a cut at that to see if it's still green on the inside of the stems? Oh, I haven't. Yeah, um, it look just looks like it's dead. I'll, I'll I'll do that when I get home. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, well, look, go go and do that. And if there is still some green in those branches or stems, I would give it a, a gentle prune back over that area just to try and invigorate and get some new growth going there. Uh, probably not fertilised at the moment. Now, uh, look, some of the other leaves, can, have they been, uh, you know, have they been just falling off? Have they been puckering up? Or it looks like they're, you know, being stung by anything? No, I don't think so. Like, the stems have got a lot of like moss on them. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether that's normal or not, but um, no. Well, it, really. it could just be that they're in a very wet position and, you know, they're not handling all the water that's around at the moment. Uh, look, the reason I asked about that puckering of the leaves is that moraes do get a mite on them and you, you see that, uh, you know, the leaves just start to, you know, shrivel up or pucker up. Uh, eventually they start to yellow off and those leaves just start to fall. Uh, yeah. And so you need to use a miticide of some sort to get rid of that. Um, yeah. But if you've got a lot of moss there, it could be that they're in a you know a fairly wet position. I wonder if they're you know a bit stressed at the moment as well, and they're just dropping their leaves uh, to uh, you know to try and survive because their their root system's not able to handle the amount of moisture in the soil. Yeah, well, yeah, it could be. It, uh, there are some new green shoots on it um, in a, in a few spots, but most of it looks like it's died dead. You know, there's the wood on it, but I'll. I'll cut them off and have a look at it this afternoon. Yeah, do do that and see if there's some green shoots. And they don't fertilise it at the, at the moment. Might be, uh, you know, a little bit too stressed the way it is. Uh, and yep. look, if, if you want to, feel free to send in some photos to us on our email address, right. which Greg is going to so handily give to us now because he knows it off by heart. Which is gardening at 2NURFM.com. So right. if you want to take some photos, mate, uh, send them yep. uh, into yep. that email address, which Greg's going to repeat for us again. Gardening at 2NURFM.com. <laughs> He's having a tattooed onto his, <laughs> onto his arm very soon. Right, yeah. Okay, well, thanks a lot, Scott. Okay, good on you, Rob. Good luck with it and uh, send those photos in if you'd like. Right, thanks. Do. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. And we've got Bill from Shortland, and he's got an easy old cure for the armyworm. Afternoon, Bill. How can you help us out with the armyworm? Mate, I, I heard the fellow talking about them there before, and some many years ago, they, there was a big plague of them all over Newcastle. 
I don't know how long ago, a fair while back now, but um, my mum had an old washing machine that you uh, took the hose, lifted the hose off the side. It had a ringer on it and yep. all that sort of stuff, yep. you know, the older ones. Yeah, good old-fashioned one. You almost had to do it manually. <laughs> just about, mate, yep. yeah. Well, when she emptied the water out, like you take the hose, lift the hose off the side and empty it into a bucket or a watering can, she used to go out and, and pour that water all over the lawn. Ah, and so that drove the army worms up, did it, and the magpies had come in and eat? Well, whatever happened to them, I don't know. But the whole street, she lived over in, in um, Divider Street at Lampton. Yes. And the whole street, uh, all the lawns were dead, the whole lot of them, except my mum's. And it was just lush green everywhere, all out on the footpath, the oh, whole lot. Very good, yeah. I, I think that's what she's uh, been doing. The soapy water would have, uh, you know, driven them up. Uh, yeah. Or even just kept them away, most probably, uh, and yeah. then you know the birds come and eat them. So that is a great sort of uh, easy remedy if you want to try and do that. Uh, yeah. You know, just to keep uh, your lawn looking good at the moment. You would you wouldn't have to put too much um, washing detergent or, or liquid soap or anything into a watering can full, and then just go and water your lawn with a watering can. Mate. Yeah, and just drive them up to the <laughs> surface. Yeah, thank you very yeah. much for that. Appreciate it. Okay, Doke. Thank you. Okay, good on you, Bill. Thank you. Cheers, Bill. We got. Peter now from Stockton, and he's got his passion fruit vines acting like Triffid on steroids. I think, Greg, Greg, were you just like frightened then? I was just scared it was going to happen. It's probably outside the door by now. (laughs) Peter, what's happened with your passion fruit? Well, uh, that pretty much describes it. Uh, It's about 18 months old. Uh, First season, it was too young to to do anything. Yes. Uh, This this season, it's grown magnificently, uh, only more so. From the main uh, upright, uh, we've got it uh, going along a fence both ways. It stretches over four metres each way uh, with, with two or three uh, main stems within each of those. Uh, and it just keeps shooting and shooting and shooting with the hundreds of flowers, but none of them is set. Oh, it sounds like it's almost in the, in the bloom of its youth at the moment. Well, I don't know, but it's in the bloom of something. <laughs> uh, look, passion fruit will do this. Uh, you know, you'll get lots and lots of flowers on them. They get very optimistic. And if there's no other passion fruit or, you know, the bees just aren't around to actually come and uh, pollinate the flowers, then you, you won't get fruit on there and the flowers will often drop off. Uh, look, at this time of year, I wouldn't be concerned. It's a bit late anyway. I know passion fruit at my place. I've just got green fruit everywhere on it. Uh, it's actually starting to drop off. They haven't ripened very well. So any fruit that sets at the moment for you, Peter, uh, isn't going to ripen properly anyway. So if you wanted to, you could go and uh, prune some of that off uh, just to uh, you know stop it you know, trying to fruit anyway. Um, but look, next year, the only other thing you can do is hope that the bees come around or if you're really, really keen, you can actually go and get the old paintbrush and try and pollinate the flowers yourself just by spreading the pollen around. It's, uh, okay, not, well, it's not actually too difficult to do. Yeah, sorry? Yeah, I've already uh, attempted the brush pollinator and we've put uh, sulfate of potash on mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. But the flowers tend to uh, said, come out. Not anymore now, they've probably stopped flowering you know, two or three yep. weeks ago. But after that stage, uh, there was flowers over a long period. We, uh, yeah, brush pollinators. There are still a few bees around, but they just um, the flowers curled up. They sort of had a, a fungusy like uh. thing in them. So I'm wondering if there's something to do with that. 
Yeah, they, they might have had some sort of, um, you know, blossom uh, end rot uh, taking, you know, going on in there. Uh, look, what you can do with that, uh, look, just to be sure, you can spray with a fungicide like copper oxychloride. It's yep. a, a copper right. spray. It's a quite safe to use. Yep. Uh, look, another reason for blossom end rot is a, a calcium deficiency in the soil. So you, can't, you can add calcium to the soil. We were talking about this last week about, you know, just crushing up shells and, you know, spreading them around. Eggshells as well you can do and water you know sprinkle them around and then generally just water those through the soil so you could do both of those things just to make sure that you're not going to uh, you know get any more of that uh, fungal disease coming through the the flowers all right well um, as it is now i'm obviously going to need to prune it back Mm -hmm. how far back can we safely prune it Oh, look, I'd only be, you know, quite gentle, just a, a sort of a shave over the top. If you want to get yeah. rid of some of the longer leaders that have, got, you know, gone out too far for you, feel free yeah. to do that. But generally just a, a gentle shave over the top at the moment. Uh, and look, the, the other thing is with sulphate of potash, especially over there in Stockton where you are, it washes through the soil very quickly. Yep. Uh, yeah, so it's put not it on every couple of weeks. Oh, fantastic! Because it's not just a, a one-off. You know, I think people, yep. you know, yep. use it once sure. or twice, and uh, they think that's going to do the trick. But it's not. Uh, you have to keep on using it continuously. You might also want to use a little bit of cow manure as well, just to get some extra yep. organic matter into the soil around the plant. Okay. Now, when you say calcium, will lime or dolomite do it instead of the, the crushed shells? Uh, look, you, no, I wouldn't be using dolomite or lime for that. Okay. Uh, you can go and get specific calcium-rich fertilisers, but right. uh, look, the easy way is to get some, you know, some old eggshells uh, or even some seashells yep. as well, and uh, water. You know, just have those crushed up a little bit, and just generally, as it's water, you know, they'll just be watered down through the soil. Yep. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, and we'll see what happens next year. Okay. Uh, less trippage. Okay. Good luck with it, Peter. We didn't come to our door, and we're glad for that. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Bye. And we've got Scott from Ashenfield, and he's got green bugs on his hedge, and he wants to know what can he use on them. Good afternoon, Scott. How can we help you? Yeah, good day. How are you? Yeah, pretty well. Um, I've got a, a lily pilly hedge. It's a beautiful hedge, um, and I was giving it a haircut yesterday, noticing that a lot of the new foliage had been chomped. Now, uh, about a year ago, we had uh, it was decimated with a little green grub and green beetles. Now, I believe they're from Victoria, but they're a native bug. I had to kill them with an insecticide. I don't want to use an insecticide because of the native bees that are around. Have you got any suggestions? Yeah, look, that that is a difficult one. Uh, yeah, it's a, we call it a calypso beetle. It is uh, they come from northern New South Wales, where lily pillies, you know, sort of yep. are mostly native to. They have stretched all the way down here and to Victoria as well. So that they can be difficult to to keep under control, especially when you've got the the native bees hanging around. Look, my best advice uh, to get rid of them in that case is you, you probably are going to have to spray, but it's going to be the time of day that you spray. And that is getting up, you know, at dusk, uh, especially because that's when the beetles are more active as well. They actually come out yeah. at night and that's when they do their damage. So you could either go out at dusk or, you know, get up very early in the morning and have a spray. Yeah. But I'd be, you know, more inclined to get out, uh, you know, seven o'clock at night, you know, for instance, uh, you yeah. know, when the sun starts to go down and have a really good spray with some pyrethrum spray. Uh, okay. that's, that's a natural insecticide, so it's not going to yep. sit there, uh, you know, and be absorbed into the plant, so the bees might be, you know, 
unduly affected by it. So I, I think by spraying at that time and spraying with pyrethrum, you're going to yeah. minimise any effect that you have on native bees or any, you know, even the yeah. normal European bees as well at the moment. So Yeah, previously I used the uh, imacliprid, which is, I think, very destructive and systematic, systemic. And so, yeah, I just don't want to go near that. Yeah, look, that that's correct. Uh, look, that comes in various forms. Most people know it as confidor. Uh, it's yep. absorbed into the uh, sap stream of the plant. It actually works both ways. It works as a contact spray and it's absorbed into the uh, sap stream. So it's a systemic spray as well. Yep. Uh, yes, look, that uh, is known to be harmful to uh, to the bees. So you have to be careful about using that. Uh, you'd only use that in the most ex- extreme measures. I would use pyrethrum and yep. uh, get out there, you know, on dusk when you know the bees are going to be safely back in their hive. Okay, thanks so much for your help today. Okay, appreciate it and thank you Cheers. for the call. Bye. Okay, bye. we got David from Cessnock and his myrtles are failing to flower. Good afternoon, David. How can we help? Good afternoon. How are you? Yes, very well. Uh, my sister has about eight crepe myrtles across her front yard. Mm-hmm. All around the area, the crepe myrtles are going really well. Hers don't flower. Oh, yeah, look, I, I, I can't deny the crepe myrtles have yet again... Uh, this year being astounding. I, what's happening with yours, though, David? Uh, how, what sort of fertiliser is your sister giving them? Any at all? Like a broad, broadband sort of one. Yeah, and okay. I'd read that bone meal, that might be a lack of phosphorus. Would that be helping? Look, that, that, could, that could be the case. Uh, you might also use some sulphate of potash as well. That promotes flowering in any plant. Uh, okay. It might also be be worth, uh, you know, giving a, getting a, a soil pH test as well, uh, just to see, you know, what pH that the soil is where those plants are. Uh, okay. Because, it, you know, if it's one way or the other, it can be locking up certain things in the soil that the plant needs to flower. Uh, so, you, look, for that, you just take a, a little soil sample along to your local garden centre. Uh, they should be able to do that for you and then be able to, uh, you know, give you some further advice on what you might need to change the pH of the soil if that's the case. Uh, okay. I'd a- also get some sulphate of potash and uh, start regularly using that around the plant. Uh, you can probably wait six months if you want to now because, you know, flowering season's over. Yes. Uh, but, but yeah, in about six months' time, start using that sulphate of potash and building that up in the soil. Uh, as we were just talking to, uh, to Peter before over at Stockton, sulphate of potash does wash out of the soil, so you need to be using it regularly. So just okay. use it in accordance with the instructions on the, on the uh, packet. Lovely. Thanks very much. Okay, good luck with it, David, and uh, ring back and let us know how you go next year. Will do. Thank okay. you. Good on you. Thank you. And we've got Mick from Wood Rising, and he's got a question about rock wattles. Hello. Hey, Mick, how can we help you, mate? Hey, Scott. I managed to get a few um, leafless rock bottles a few years ago. Yes. Put into an arid garden because I was sick of watering it. And um, they flowered for the first time this year and they've taken off like mad and now they're about three and a half metres tall. Uh, they're, they're very woody all the way from the bottom to sort of halfway up. I'm wondering, I didn't um, trim them back after they flowered. How severely can I cut them back? Not very much at all. <laughs> I, yeah, look, n- natives just, and especially wattles, just don't like being pruned back. Um, like the leafless rock wattle, uh, look, you, the best you'd give it is, is a light shave over the top. Uh, you don't want to be disturbing it too much. Uh, so 
I, I think like with lavender as well, I mean, strangely enough, and, and all natives, if you do want to prune them, there's something that you have to prune regularly and very small amounts. So it's almost right. just like you nibble a, along the top of them, you know, every year or, you know, even more often if you want to, uh, you know, once they finish flowering, uh, you know, just to keep a nice shape to them. But as soon as you start uh, to, to prune a native back, a grevillea, uh, you know, wattles, they, they just don't like it very much and they, they'll often curl up their, their toes and just uh, go away for you. Um, so, look, yes, just very, very lightly if you are going to do it. Uh, Fertilising, uh, of course, always use a specific native fertiliser or you can use blood and bone. It's nice and safe to use on, on native plants, especially wattles. Don't encourage them too much more. <laughs> true, true. Now, look, also with wattles, remember, uh, they uh, do have a limited lifespan, you know, seven to eight years, and eventually that's mm-hmm. going to, to see them starting to get a bit woody. Uh, you know, they start to get pest and disease. Uh, so at that, you know, some sometime prior to that, you might want to try and take some cuttings and, and strike some, uh, some new plants ready to replace the old plant when it uh, gives up the ghost. Great. Thanks for the advice. That's good. Okay, sorry, we haven't been able to give uh, more uh, happy advice, but uh, we've given honest honest advice. (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll trim off some of the the new growth coming out and see how we go. Okay, just a a nice light shave over the top. Yep, okay, thanks a lot. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. All right, bye. We've got Grant now from Tanamba. Tanese Lily Pillies, all his new growth has been chewed up. Ooh, Grant, uh, tell me what's been happening. Um, Yeah, Scott, we we noticed that there was uh, a lot of... uh, nibbling on the leaves of the lily pilly. So, um, well, I'm the labourer. My gardening wife expert said um, we need to cut back. We did. All the new growth has come back and it's looking great, but they're all being chewed up again. Yeah, look, I, I think that you've got the old uh, Calypso beetle that we were just talking about before. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, it, and look, it's very hard to see because they, they go deep back into the plant, uh, you know, in the foliage of the plant at night. They hide out. Uh, they are a native beetle, native to up the uh, the north coast. They have uh, sort of spread their little wings and come down, uh, you know, around into uh, Newcastle, even further down into Victoria. Uh, they do a lot of damage um, and they just make the plant look fairly unsightly. Uh, look, as we were saying before, um, you know, the, the lily pillies when they're in flower attract a lot of bees. So you have to be careful about what you're spraying to get rid of this calypso beetle. Uh, and I've just been suggesting that you use uh, pyrethrum, but go out uh, at uh, dusk when they start to come out and they're more active and give it a good spray at that point in time and try and keep them under control. At dusk, so they're actually a beetle, are they? Yes, they're a tiny little green beetle. That's why they're so hard to see. They look almost exactly the same shade as the the lily pilly leaf. But if if you get out there around dusk, you'll probably see them starting to come out. If you head out there with a torch, uh, you'll see them starting to move around. Uh, or even if right. you just want to, in the middle of the day, sort of delve deeply into the foliage, you'll find some in there. Okay, and uh, pyrethrin. Um, would um, would daisies around it sort of help? Um, uh, ward them off? Oh, look, I, I don't think so. They're a pretty tenacious little creature. Uh, I, I'm not sure that that would be enough to uh, to sort of get those under control. I think it is going to be a spray uh, and do it yep. at dusk when they're, uh, you know, they're coming out and they're getting ready to be active and have a, a chomp on your plant. No, that's cool. Thanks very much. Okay, good on you, Grant. Good luck with it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Might be able to squeeze Carl in from Woodbury who's got white curl grubs in his lawn. Afternoon, Carl. Hi, good afternoon, Scott. How, are they eating up your lawn, are they? 
Well, they, they're making a mess of it. They, they're, they're like little anthills uh, of a morning, you know, and they come up and they do their little droppings in sort of uh, little piles all over the lawn. Yeah, so look, you, you might just have normal old earthworms in there and because we've had so much water there, uh, you know, they're being driven up to the surface. Uh, if you're seeing your lawn brown off at the moment or starting to get patches in there... That... No, no, it's pretty green, Dave. It's just these little um, anthills, I call them, sort of thing, and you can get rid of them, wash them away, and the next morning they're back up there again yeah. or within a couple of days. Yeah, and uh, there's quite a lot of them in the yard, well, pretty well spread. Yeah, so look, I think what you've got there are just your normal old earthworms at the moment. I don't think army grub's a problem. You can either just leave them go and say, oh, thank you, you're aerating the lawn and making it, you know, breathe a little bit better for you. Now, look, if you want to treat it with a chemical, you can, but... You know, generally getting earthworms out of your lawn's not a good thing in the, in the long term. You actually want them in there. Um, they're providing organic matter for the, the lawn to feed off. So as long as you can handle, um, you know, the, uh, the little bit of dirt that's around at the moment, um, I'll just leave them be. It's a great thing for your lawn. Scott Sharp, we're out of time for another week. Okay, thank you. Catch you next time. See you then. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.